This is the best podcast on the planet. I'm not being biased at all. Thanks for listening, supporting, sharing, and subscribing to the Mindful Farm D podcast. Subscribe today wherever you listen to stay informed. Share with a few friends. Email Dr. Matman Harrell at themindfulfarmd at gmail.com exclamation point. Connect on Instagram at themindfulfarmd. Check out drmattmanharrell.bio.link for everything about the podcast. A thousand thanks and stay mindful. In part two of this Black Brilliance series, we're going to continue the conversation that we started in part one. We're going to follow up this this uh, episode with the story of Mamie Phipps and Kenneth Bancroft Clark. And if you don't know who these two are, specifically Mamie Phipps, you're going to learn who she was today. You're going to learn her, the impact her research made on one very important case in American history with regard to the educational system. We're going to round out this this series with an inspiring story of Jackie McKinney, who not only survived multiple forms of abuse, she also overcame by pouring her life and her experience into the field of social work so that others might also overcome. Tune in for this episode of the Mindful Pharmacy podcast. You don't want to miss all of the great conversation and the thought provoking ideas that were presented by these people, these black people in American history. Uh, I want to thank each and every one of you for listening and tuning in. And I want to ask that you do me one big favor. Would you share this podcast with five of your friends? Tell them how much you've enjoyed listening to it and, you know, subscribe to it so that you get the updates. And if you have any ideas and want to talk about anything or want me to cover a topic on this podcast, you can email me at the mindful farm D one word, the mindful farm D at gmail.com. You're listening to the mindful farm D podcast. Welcome. And a thousand thanks for tuning in. This podcast is about all of us. I'm your host and the mind behind the microphone. Mattman Harrell. My focus on this podcast is to explore the mind through genuine conversations, thought-provoking ideas, and the reality that the story of mental health is incomplete. So you were talking to Kima about you were getting ready to talk about the um, dissertation that 
uh, Mamie Phipps Clark wrote. Yes, um, The Development of Consciousness of Self in Negro Preschool Children, which was her master's thesis. Uh, I wasn't able to find it um, online, but it kind of is, is a really clear precursor to the research that she did and just to their overall work. Like They, they were so passionate about helping underprivileged youth. They had the first like uh, neighborhood clinic in Harlem that, gave, that provided resources for the children there first one ever. Um, as far as uh, Dr. Kenneth Clark, he was the, he followed right in Francis Sumner's footsteps and he was the first African American to serve as the president of the American Psychological Association. Mm. And both Mamie and Kenneth were the first to graduate with their doctorate degrees from Columbia. So wow. they, they, they were, and it was Kenneth first and then mm-hmm. Mamie. So it's like, they're just on this journey together. Um, when when did they get married in that time? Do you know? I'm actually not sure. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't mark that date down. But it okay. seems like once they graduated from uh, Howard as undergraduates, they were just kind of like locked in at the hip. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think it's notable that the research that they did for the Brown versus Board of Education case they did 14 years before it you know, before the case ever happened. Wow. Yeah, so that brings me to, like, I, I wanted to use my research with them to kind of highlight what's going on now and some of my ideas about what's going on in the world. Um, as somebody who's really big on, like, how are laws affecting what's going on in the mental health community? Because I think the law is a really simple way to fix a problem. It's like, you put this thing on paper, now things have to change. Mm. But exactly. Well, well, right, right. It's so hard. To, it's hard to legislate morality. It, it's, yeah, but once it's, it's actually legis- impossible. Yeah. But she's saying once it's legislated, you know, it, it's law. Well, that's that's kind of going with my line of thought right now. Is as I've been working with that thought, I realize that laws really don't create change. Mm. And Martin Luther King Jr. is the perfect example of that. As somebody who was never a politician, but he literally inserted culture with his vision, and this vision led to laws being passed. Laws are a, a part of it, but it seems like things change with a precursor of cultural change and vision casting. Mm, yeah, and I think that they were like the you know perfect examples of that, to where they had this passion for kids, you know, youth who don't have access because when she was in her undergraduate career and as they were going through this process they saw where the needs were in their community and she took that passion and ran with it and so they set the precedent of like okay we're going to do this doll this doll test and we're going to see what the results are but they didn't know what you know the impact that it would have Mm. and so this idea for me that you know laws don't create change it's in, in, in entirety it, it is always preceded by people needing things to be different and, like, getting their hands into the mix of trying to figure it out. And for me, their legacy with us now having integrated schools is that of having the, the commitment to what you're trying to figure out. Because it's like the undergraduate, the master's, the PhD, all of the research that they did. They did lots and lots of 
different research and studies that were all centered around kids and what's going on in their minds, you know. Let me um read you this really, really quick. Yeah, the, 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 you know, back to your point about, as you look that up, back to the point about laws and stuff, you know, laws are really a, uh, a reaction. Um, laws yeah. are very rarely as much insight as we claim to have as a people, uh, and as a human race, we often don't listen to that insight. Uh, you know, we yeah. can look and see that something is, or have a feeling, a sense, uh, something's wrong. This, this might need to change, but until somebody puts that foot forward and does a, a scientific study like what Mamie did or, or you know, uh, writes a dissertation or stands before a crowd of thousands of people and, and says, you know, I have a dream that one day these things can be until that until those things happen. Our laws are just merely a cherry on top. You know, it, it's yeah. you know, the, the law shouldn't really be the one that gets the credit. It's the person behind the idea, like you said, in the vision um, that gets things moving that and, and really uh, change the cultural shift, uh, or creates a cultural shift in a positive way. But, but go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I, it, it was kind of like a light bulb moment for me because I've been so like, you know, these laws, these politicians, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, no, it's the people who are dedicated to their field of study who are using what they're studying to, to shape society with a, with a bigger vision. And, and, and so this study that they did in 1939, they conducted a study to determine when self-consciousness, specifically racial consciousness, develops in African-American children. Um, segregated African-American children, three to five, were given line drawings of white and colored boys, along with line drawings of different animals. Children were then asked to identify which picture described, described themselves or someone close to them. The results of this study showed that some three-year-old children chose animals to describe themselves, while four-year-old ch children never did. This suggests that around the age of four, children begin to understand that they are distinctly human, which the researchers suggest develops before they understand they are a part of a certain racial group. Wow. In addition, the study found that children begin to identify themselves as white or colored around the same age. Um, there was even an increase in color identification in the four-year-old children compared to the three-year-old children. So, to me, this study is just about just getting into the nitty-gritty of when do we start identifying with who we are, and the sooner that we can do that, or we identify when that starts, we can shape our environments to make sure that there isn't damage happening. So, if you know that four-year-olds know, okay, I'm a little boy, I'm a human, and I'm black... What are kids doing at four? Are they at yeah. home with their parents? Are they at school? So we can really begin to, you know, make sure that we're not doing anything to hurt those kids at that age. Yeah. So to me, this is critical research about like, you know, we just have to take care of our kids at the right points in their life. Um, you know, really, really, really what you're talking about, too, as I'm listening to you, the, the one word that keeps coming to my mind is awareness, awareness, yeah. awareness, awareness. And you know, this is, again, what this this podcast is all about is, you know, when we talk about being mindful, it's about having an awareness, awareness of who you are an awareness of where you are um, and, and, and an awareness of your environment. You know, those things that are that are impacting you, those things that are yes. feeding you positively yes. and negatively. And so when I when I hear about this, man, it, it just it's just awesome to see that these things are so connected. 
Um, yeah. you know, from when we talk about my, from way back when, you know, yeah. and when we talk about mindfulness, when we talk about awareness, when we talk about a four-year-old having an idea and a sense of who they are, they um, barely even know words yet, but they can, yeah. they have a sense that they're different from, you know, Tommy, you know, they're different from Jack down the street. Like I'm a unique individual. Um, yeah. And yet still a part of the collective, man. I, anyway, but we'll, we'll get into some of that stuff on some other time, but. Yeah. You know, they, um, their legacy is developing sol- or creating solutions in the community that they were in, mm. you know, um, they created the Harlem Youth Opportunities Unlimited in 1962, which, uh, Robert F. Kennedy endorsed and President Lyndon B. Johnson, um, also supported. And they just did whatever they could to pour resources into Harlem because that's where they stayed and that's where they did their research and tried to provide support for the community. So I'm really inspired by them and their commitment to their education. It inspires me a lot to keep going as I've had issues going through my, you know, undergraduate uh, journey. And they, they're definitely the definition of, of pioneers for sure. Let me make sure that I got everything I want on them. So they, they made some major, um, again, major contributions in the realm of education. Um, again, black psychology and helping and helping society understand the impacts that racism has on the black community, even at a very young age. Um, yeah. and especially I, at a young age, yeah. especially at a young especially age. A young age. I just think that's so powerful. Um, and their work, you know, really we would, you know, us and those listening, we would do ourselves a, ser- a service and do ourselves well. If we, if we went back and sort of reviewed, um, and looked at researched some of the things that, uh, Mamie and Kenneth, Kenneth did, um, you know, in those, in that way. Uh, and, and I think you'll find their footprint and their hands on a lot of the way the educational system operates today. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I, I want to make one last point. And yeah. then I know, like, I feel like I'm taking kind of a, like over more of a big picture approach to their journey. But as we've been talking about integration being something that was at the wrong time or, you talk about what's what the problem is. It's all these little things that are not being dealt with. And we yeah. go to the stigma. And I ask myself all the time, like, what is the stigma about mental health all about? And I think there's a level of fear mm. in the fact that this is something that is happening that you cannot see. It's, I think we're all really on a subconscious level scared of something that doesn't have a, a black and white answer. Yeah, You know, like when you break your foot, even when you have cancer, it's terrible, but it's kind of like, we all know that, okay, you have cancer. These are the typical things that happen and you can kind of have a clear, feel like a, a clear path to the potential recovery, but with depression and anxiety, it's like, it can get really messy and it is not something that has a black and white answer and everybody's experience is different. Yeah. yeah. And so it's 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 a it's I think it's just the challenge of it that 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 pushes the stigma for it's a challenge, and I think I'm I'm grateful to see us as a collective, especially Black people, kind of rising to meet the challenge. Yes. Of the complex of dealing with the complexity 
yeah. of the situation we find ourselves in. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I, I and, appreciate that. I appreciate that perspective too, because it's yeah. not enough to just say this is the problem. This is the problem, but we can see the change happening. It's a small change. It's slow change. And yeah. I think yeah. 2020 really did, you know, cause a lot of people to sit back and be like, wait a second. Um, yeah, you know, <laughs> we, yeah. need to t- we need to yeah. talk about this. Uh, yeah. some, something's not areas. right in many areas and many aspects of our lives, because it really did cause us to ask ourselves and again, hold that mirror up to ourselves and say, you know, this isn't just white. This isn't just black. This is a this is a we thing. This this thing we call mental health. Everybody's in it together, and I think that that is um, that is a very that is a very positive note. Again, it's not just America; it's global. It's not just America. That's yeah, right. The it's global. Hit, it hit everywhere. Right, right. You know, you can't, you can't, you cannot escape it. No, yeah. We're all really, truly, honestly in this together. Yeah, we have to be. You know, and and people who don't come to that realization. Um, I think that they'll struggle a little bit differently because it really does create, in my opinion, really creates a um, mental picture of loneliness. You know, if you can't see that we're in this together, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about we. We have to overcome this uh, and get through this together. It's the same thing. And I'm talking, you know, we're talking metaphorically about and really literally about a virus, but it's the same thing with mental health. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about we. It's about all of us. So, yeah. Man, that's great. Thank you so much, Akima. Um, let, let's move to Mill. Uh, she's going to bring us home. And let's... Uh, who, <laughs> bring us home. Bring us home. <laughs> and so you're, you're, you're going to be talking about Jackie McKinney. Mm-hmm. All right. So what, what do you have about her? All right. Her? So it's Black History Month, and um, I'm a visual person, so... <laughs> She went and put on her uh, uh, dashiki. Dashiki, yeah. <laughs> is it All giving right. you the, She's putting it on now before she's talking. Like, is it giving you the extra? All right. She just put on her cloak. There you go. So you got you got on the black cloak now. So go ahead. <laughs> Jackie McKinney and my reason for picking Jackie well when you go on Google or where anywhere to look up black African black or African Americans that have uh, contributed to psychology mental health social work her name pops up and her name pops up for a number of reasons first of all Jackie McKinney is an American she um she was born in New Jersey 1934 she's still alive today and she still um, is active. She's an, she's an activist in this area, advocating for um, women and children, mostly. Um, so she grew up to uh, two parents, and by age two, she was being abused. She's a survivor of trauma, mm. addiction, homelessness, psychiatric the psychiatric system, and the criminal justice system. Wow. And um, so from age two to nine, she was just, um, she was just abused at home. The trauma was, was really bad. At nine, she was put in a, um, a home. And uh, she was so, she was abused so much that she stopped talk, she stopped walking. 
So when you're, oh, wow. when you have some forms of mental health, they will cause you to physically be ill. Mm. You know, some of them, and one of them is a, conver- is a, a conversion where the person can the mind to 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 re- to, to protect itself from the trauma. You, some people pass out yeah. or just become stiff. Um, you that, know, that's the flight. Through- Flight, uh, fight, flight, freeze, or faint. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so I, I actually have a cousin in my family that that happens to. She, they didn't even. This just started happening two years ago, so nobody knew that that could. You know, we didn't know anybody in our family that that ever happened to. So it's it's a literal, true thing and personal to me. Um. So she stopped walking. And um, they put her in a disabled home. Wow. Nothing wrong with her other than all this trauma, and nobody was able to see that in this child. So so what age is she at this point? Uh, at, at two. The age of two, wow. Two to nine. They, around age nine, she was still in, in the home. And not unable to walk. Right. Wow. So from there, she went back home. Afterwards, they sent her back home. I don't know the the whole thing right there of how why they sent her back home, but they sent her back home, and um, for the next forty years, from age ten to to for forty years, she became she went through all of these different things: addiction, homelessness, and just not being able to 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 live. So from New Jersey's in the north west northeast part of the united states and so she ended up in new york in new york she was on the streets she was raped over and over and over by a serial rapist that's um that was in the area at the time and so uh that just uh solidified some of the things that she went through um she moved to dc and in dc stuff was really bad still and she, but somehow she met two women from a rape crisis center and they um, befriended her and helped her to get uh, get on her feet and um, helped her to get some some counseling, some therapy and things done so that she could um, do some, you know, do something with her right, life. Improve her situation. Know, yeah. Get her, get her life back. So that helped from from going through those therapies that help her to see that she could she has a, a experience that she could use to advocate for others and so she became an advocate for women and children from that point in her head and um her activism continues today so um i will i'm gonna jump down to well you know you you know too what while you're you know as you go and move through and you're flow in i, I wanted to say something you you, you mentioned her, her desire to really help others, you know, again, because of her experience. And that's what we find with many of the people who, who participate or become professionals in the field of, you know, what they call the helping professions, whether yeah. it's therapy, counseling, social work, psychology. There's always this, this story behind the person who wants to help. Yeah. Uh, and they have this personal experience, you know, that, that sort of puts them in a position to be like, I don't want anybody else to go through this. Or if right. they are going through it, you know, I've got a story, I've got a way, maybe I can learn some clinical mm-hmm. ways on how to help them through it. But anyway, go ahead. Right. So 
it's funny that you said that. I was going to finish up with that, but I'm just going to say it right here. And that is that I'm one of those people mm. that got help when I needed it. Um, not, not when I needed it, got help, realized I eventually I needed help, went and got help and, um, and realized that I was being helped. I didn't realize I needed help and I didn't yeah. realize I was being helped. Yeah. And I thought as I came out of it being helped, I, I was encouraged to go and help others. others. And I'm like, yeah. how am I going to do that? I didn't have my, I didn't even have my associates, you know? So I went back to school, got my associates, got my master, my bachelor's and my master's. And that's how I have my master's in social work, which is the same degree that Jackie McKinney um, worked all this time with her master's in social work. So she, um, she, 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 she went back to school through, through the help of these, this, this um, organization and then um, started working in the DC area in a, a organization um, and moved, um, some moved into family advocacy, specializing in issues of African-American women and their children. Mm. Um, which my my life um, is pairing with her. I'm noticing from doing the the work, um, as Kima said, it's, it's inspired her. This has just truly uh, opened up my eyes. So she became a consultant with the Center for Mental Health Services um, on on all of their their advocacy programs and their policies and and um, in in supporting in supporting families and mental health. Um, public mental mental health so she worked for she worked in she also moved down to philadelphia at some point and uh became started working for the national consumer survivor social policy and research group it's a group that was she was consulted she was put on there as an advisor and it was the the research was being done by SAMHSA. We know what SAMHSA yeah, is yeah. as the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. Mm-hmm. And so she was put in there as a, as a um, advisor on the group, being funded by SAMHSA. Mm. Right. So she goes in there, and they're asked. She's an advisor, and they not listen to her. The group is full of white males. Yeah. And she's trying to explain to them. You can't do it from this perspective. You need m- more persons of mixture on this on this team, right? To, right. To be able to to get a good consensus of what the National Consumer Survivor Social Policy and Research should should be coming out with. So she said, um, "No, I'm not even going to bother doing this." Wow. You know, I want to form my own organization. Wow. So she went and founded the National People of Color Consumer Survivor Network. Mm. Different, same, some of the same words, but a little different. Right. And and she she funded that, started that, founded that, and and just stayed with it and built it to to um to work for families, mainly women, African American women and the children she realized that you have to you have to treat the children if you're going to treat the mom Mm. the parents but she mostly was more for women african-american women so she said you have to treat the women the children if you don't treat the children 
Same thing. We're looking at all these younger kids, younger children, the age group. If you don't treat the children and you only treat the mother, you're going to end up treating the same thing wow. the next generation. Next generation. And that makes so much sense, especially, you know, with me, the reason I, I, I decided to pursue a degree in marriage and family therapy uh, is because of the, you know, the sort of systemic lens that marriage and family therapists tend to look through. They, they look at not only the individual, but the individual's environment and the individual's um, sort of corresponding elements that that uh, feed this person's, you know, either behavior, thoughts, you know, whatever the case might be. And so that that is rich to say that she saw that then to focus on, you know, the system. And really, if we're if we're being honest, many, many black communities, you know, mm-hmm. the family system is only the mother and the child. You know, I grew up in that. That was my system that I grew up in. It was just single mom and five kids. And so, yeah, um, yeah, I grew up in that and end up um, raising my children in that. Right. Yep. Yep. So just like she said, and that's what I'm trying to tell you, man, my life just paired up with hers. And I was like, I'm going to have to go back and look at this woman some more, you know, and she's still alive. I might be able to find her and pick her brain and get some information (laughs) because I'm on the path of, of starting my own business um, to help, um, military dependents. Well, talk, talk, talk about that a little bit. You never know. There might be a listener who could help you on that journey. Just talk a little bit about what you plan to do. Well, um, I've taken the, um, I'm, I have a master's in social work and I have tried to take that LMC, LCSM, the, the licensed clinical master's, uh, license and I cannot pass it. For some reason, I'm just not passing it. So I'm just figuring that is not for me and I can still do what I need to do with my master's in social work degree, which this lady did, right? Mm. So Jackie McKinney. So what I plan to do is start a YouTube channel helping um, veterans like myself because I'm a a disabled American veteran um, to achieve and get their benefits from the military. In the meantime, when I, when I was on active duty, I noticed that a lot of dependents fell through the cracks. The dependents weren't getting the same thing that the active duty were getting. Mm. And so I want to help those people that are dependents. They're probably not even uh, in the system anymore. They're just out there trying to figure it out. They got a job. They can't afford mental health care because it's so expensive medical care is really expensive and i just i just want to be able to help so i want to start a business um helping veterans to get their benefits and helping dependents to get the benefits that they need because when some people may have gotten out of the military like 10 years ago the spouses the, the the man and the woman got out whether the woman is the active duty or the man is the active duty whatever they got out of the military and when they got out there's something called the transition assistant program taps which taps is what's played when you get out when at the end of the day on the base mm-hmm. but it's it's the name is perfect but it doesn't help it doesn't give us the, the information we need so we can um I can fill in that gap where those people fall through the, the cracks right there. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So, um, so she had, she started, um, going around and, and being a speaker, um, nationally on a national stage about through her organization. And she said three things she wanted to do. The first thing she wanted to put out was that don't try to study and help women 
without helping the children. The woman's hell is the children's hell. Mm. Yeah. And and I and I rem- I remember that so clearly her saying that because there was there were times when I after I got out of the military where I was trying to 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 take care of my kids and live and and keep a job and and pay the bills and you know I had no time for play you know right 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 so the children had to figure it out on their own until I finally started saying oh my gosh what am I doing you know and I got some help and 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 maybe too late because my my girls were teens by then and you know but what I could I did and what I'm what I can now I do. And so she said she wanted to come up with um, with three things. And one, she um, she said develop policy on seclusion and restraint. Mm. De- de- develop policy on how to not seclude, not exclude women in these studies because these white males were sitting on this board and they weren't even looking at black families, much less black women, African-American right, women right, and yeah. the children. And so she wanted to develop policies on a, on a, on a national stage for that. Um, number two, spread the knowledge that treat, treating women and children will, will not, will, has to be the way to go or you will be treating that second generation. Yeah. Uh, the same thing. And three, inform the national stage that battered women are the same women battered women end up in the, the the judicial system and they're the ones that end up keep coming back over and over and over if you if there isn't representation of them being taken care of mm. right so there's no representation that you just keep working 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 until you break right wow you know and you don't realize that there's something wrong because you don't realize there's something wrong. So yeah, so it was um it was very very interesting to um to learn about this lady. Um, one of the things that I was very impressed about her is that she received she received many awards, but one of the awards that she received is called the Clifford Beers Award. I knew nothing about Clifford Beard, <laughs> so. I went and looked up Clifford B. I'm like, why is this a wall so prestigious all over the internet that she got this this award, you know? Yeah. And it turns out that Clifford Beard, um, he died in 1943. Um, he, he was um, abused growing up. And uh, somehow he, he made it through. I don't know the, all the details. It says here, one of the five children of whom suffered from psychological distress was Beard himself. And he ended up at Yale, of all places. Wow. Ended up at Yale. While at Yale, though, his mental struggles were following him, and he he tried to commit suicide and and attempted suicide, and, and it didn't work, thank God, because he then graduated and um, came up with this this um this organization well he he he, called, he authored a book a biography and he calls it i love the name a mind that found itself yeah i see that now i, I see that 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 sounds like an interesting read you know i am going to read it yeah. yes yeah. yes i am and then um 
from there, he launched a, a, a mental hygiene uh, clinic in Connecticut. He's from uh, up north in Connecticut, which is now still in place. Um, it was called the Connecticut Society for Mental Hygiene, which I, I didn't even know that term was out there way back in 1908 when he started. Right. Right. And so, and so he did a lot. The mental, the clinic is still there to this day. They call it the Mental Health Connecticut, and it's based in West Hartford. Um, so they gave her the award for him because he started something way back without any help, having gone through again, same red thread through here, having gone through something himself, right. yeah. trying to give something so that no one else will have to go through that and so she received that award and now that clinic is like a, a big clinic they do um sexual abuse specialty teams they have um a latino clinic that they started to for the efforts for families up there um they do emergency mobile psychiatric services national child traumatic stress network so she epitomizes and the reason I'm not, he's not my person to highlight. Right, right, he yeah. epitomizes the different things that he started and have done. And to this day, they're still there. In 2012, they were one of the places that the Sandy Hook um, school tragedy called on to come in as counselors for for the school. Just from this man doing, what? Wow. You can't tell me that there isn't a way to manage these things, like I said, in stigma and achieve what you need to achieve if you don't put your mind, if you put your mind to it. I'm sure when he tried to commit suicide, someone was there that helped him and mm -hmm. and, and inspired and strengthened him to get through Yale um, to do this, you know. So she, um, she got that award, and then um, in 2012... She was, um, she was at a, at a, somewhere they were giving her awards again. I, I can't remember where it was. And she, she had this, this thing that she wrote and, um, they, the person said, his name is Kenny, Kenny J. And he wrote this December, 2020, December 10th, 2020. I want to make sure that I am not. Yeah, no, just send it. Yep, send it to me. We'll, what we'll do is put all of those references in the in the show notes. Okay. And so, what she was basically going back over is: take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. When you go back and introspect and reflect and look at yourself, and if you can see that you need help, go and take care of that help. Go and take care of yourself because you're only going to affect the people around That's you. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Yep. If yep. you don't take care of you, yeah. it's not about them. It's yeah. about you. Mm -hmm. And so the, her whole thing was that, that, you know, do whatever you can to find out about mental illness, this mental illness issue that's possibly your situation. Yeah. So that's my person, Jackie yeah. McKinney. Um, yeah, I, I, I like that. Like you can't, you can't, you, you can't really be, um, you know, I guess a helpful part or um, can't really have a meaningful part in society. If yourself is, if you yourself is struggling or are struggling, does that make sense? Like you yeah. have to you know, help self so that hopefully you can, you can eventually get out and help, exactly. help others. Yeah. 
Yeah. Exactly. You know, I think I think about somebody who, you know, I don't know. Well, I, I was going to say, I think about somebody who might have, you know, say a metabolic condition. And, you know, in order to become an advocate for, you know, cleaner health, if you want to teach somebody how to eat right and have better nutrition, you yourself have to be a model of that better nutrition. And I think it's the same thing with mental health. If you're going to be, um, you still might have the struggle. You still might. Uh, might have that experience, but you can work towards, um, ex- you know, existing not with the label, you know, that you're mentally ill or that you're sick or anything like that. But, you know, living through your experiences and then sharing that that story, sharing that testimony, if you will, with somebody else um, that might actually eventually help them get out of their out of their rut. Uh, let them know that, hey, you can you can you can you can make it through going back to your stigma. You know, yeah, your yeah. your stigma um, acronym earlier. You can make this through. It's achievable for you to do. Uh, and you're not in this alone, you know. Yeah. You're not in this alone. Yeah. Well, this. this Absolutely. Yeah. I wanted to just throw my throw my two cents in there if we have time. Matt, yes, we do. Please go ahead. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, Sister Miller, you know me. Like, that's that's the story of my life of, like, you want to help people, but if you're not in a stable place, you can't do anything for other people. Right. And what I'm just sharing, you know, a little bit of my personal journey, I feel like the way that stigma has contributed to my lack of progress, which my biggest thing with mental health, ultimately, though, comes down to accountability. So I made a choice to focus more on the stigma, which is when you experience mental health, I feel like mental health issues, I think there's this, there's a level of shame. There's yeah. a level of like, I am not strong enough to go through life, which is different for people that deal with other issues. Like if you have nobody with cancer, it's like, oh, like I'm so ashamed that I have cancer. I mean, somebody might. Like, some people, I don't, I don't yeah, some people be, do experience that shame that you're talking yeah, about. So yeah. let me not say that for other illnesses, but I think it, definitely with mental illness it's it's like magnified times a thousand Mm. there's this feeling that oh you're crazy like something's wrong with you Mm -hmm. and so in my in my journey and i hopefully this can encourage somebody is like i have made less progress because instead of focusing on complete healing and complete focus on a, a plan to get to deal with the issues like let me just like get to a place where i feel a little bit better so that i can prove that i'm not this this crazy person you mm. know so a part of dismantling the stigma is also like really getting to the root of like how we're judging ourselves what these labels that we're putting on people that deal with these issues because once again going back to the over like the overall point of can't help others if you're not in the place yeah you just can't and yeah. i i've had to learn that the hard way it's like you can't ignore these things yeah. you gotta heal them you gotta you gotta, heal them. You gotta yeah, yeah. I, I'll, I'll end with this story i was talking to a guy in my church uh, a couple weeks back he was telling me actually a story of a friend of his who has a deep um deep-seated struggle with anxiety i mean the the, the slightest things smallest things to some other people can set him off and and it it, it um it traps him like he's unable to really un, uh, recover from, you know, these bouts of anxiety. I mean, he stays in his home, uh, refuses to come out. He, he, he just stuck. Um, but he looks to this guy I was talking to as sort of an ear. And um, 
you know, the guy asked me a question. He, he was, I was just t- telling, t- giving him some feedback on, um, you know, my perspective on mental health. And I looked at him and I said, you know, really, we all deal with, if we want to call it mental illness, we all deal with mental illness because all of us struggle with uh, confidence issues. For example, all of us struggle with second guessing ourselves. All of us struggle with, you know, am I the right person for this job? Am I the right person for this role? You know, imposter syndrome. We all have a level, a certain level of uh, mental illness or mental mental health that declines depending upon the season that we're in in our lives. And so, you know, I, I think that these people that we talked about today, I mean, just just icing on the cake for the contributions that a lot of them as black Americans made uh, in America um, to help our understanding of black psychology and to help our understanding of how society, American society as a whole uh, impacts that that um, that experience. And hopefully from this, what we can learn is not only how it impacted us negatively, but how we can move forward for the future um, and and positively and continue to positively impact not only black psychology, but but psychology as a whole and realizing that. We do have while we may have a unique experience, we don't live inside of a vacuum. Um, Our struggle is, you know, our neighbors struggle and our struggle can be shared. Our struggle is shared because how we interact with other people uh, is because of the way we might feel on any given day, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it, that grouch in the neighborhood is a grouch for a reason. He has a story. Yeah, he has a story. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, guys, this, I really enjoyed doing this and, um, you know, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure I'll have y'all on again because I love what you guys bring. Um, and we will talk about different things, but I love, I love y'all's perspective. Um, and the energy that you bring, as I've said, as we were preparing to do this. So, Again, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. A thousand times. I want to say thank you very, very much. I'm honored and I'm also humbled to have been asked to do this. I, you know, who am I for you to to ask to put this out? It's going to so many people, and I pray and hope and pray that the one that needs it, the two, the three, the five, the the thousand that needs to hear this, it gets to them. And the only thing I'm asking them is to go look just like just like miss mckinney said go look just check yourself just check on yourself just check on yourself yeah 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 yours go ahead akim just add my two cents also grateful to have done this i love you guys um and love uh being able to talk about this stuff and piggybacking off sister millie somebody I, i put this out there somebody who struggles with depression suicidal thoughts it's real but it's something that you can overcome and manage. You, it doesn't have to be the end of your life. So it's just like keep going and and, and know that you're not alone because you're you're not. I leave you with this: focus your thoughts on what is true, noble, righteous, pure lovable or admirable on some virtue or on something praiseworthy think about these things